0: Is this a spiritual podcast? (laughs) Sure is. You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio, the realest conversation on spirituality, finding your truth, and creating a life that honors your soul. I'm your host, Megan Hale, and together we'll grow in more faith, more love, and doing our holy work in the world. We've always been holy, and we were born to be wild. Permission to be both is granted. This episode is sponsored by Honey and Sage Co., a women's wellness subscription care package and apothecary who believe in holy wellness and self-care is sacred. Find out more at honeyandsageco.com. Hello, everybody. And usually it's a happy Monday, but I know for so many of us watching Irma roll into the U.S., so many people have been affected by the second natural disaster. Well, third, really, with the wildfires that are going on in the U.S. So before we get into this episode, I just kind of want to hold so many people in our hearts right now who continue to clean up after Harvey, who are just starting the cleanup process after Irma as it continues to move through the states, those who are being impacted by the wildfires, and it's also September 11th. So I just want to make sure we're honoring all of those who have lost their lives in relation to 9-11. I don't think any of us will ever forget where we were this day in 2001. And to also remember the lives that have been lost as we've continued to fight the war on terror since then. Uh, being a military spouse, this, this kind of uh, touches me deeply in particular. It's always very... Um, relevant and close to me as to how fragile life can be uh, for people who are fighting on the front lines. So I just wanted to make sure that we're honoring today and really being present for all those who are hurting, who are rebuilding, and who are remembering this day in a very intense way as they may have lost a loved one. So today's episode is... (sighs) A really good one. (laughs) So last week, we dove into our first conversation on healing religious wounds. And I thought it would be so great to follow up that episode with Reverend Carol Howard Merritt, who just released her latest book titled Healing Spiritual Wounds, Reconnecting with a Loving God After Experiencing a Hurtful Church. Now, Carol is a minister whose writing, speaking, and teaching is anchored in theological wisdom and sociological insight. She's a sought after keynote speaker, especially on the topic of ministering in a new generation. After being raised as a conservative Baptist and attending a fundamentalist Bible college, Carol studied at Austin Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Texas and became a Presbyterian minister. She's known for serving growing Presbyterian churches, especially those with a deep commitment to serving the poor and disenfranchised. Carol is a frequent contributor to books, websites, magazines, and journals. She's a regular writer at the Christian Century, where her blog is hosted, and also co-hosts the thought-provoking podcast, God Complex Radio, with Rev. Derek Weston. Now, there's a couple of pieces of our interview that I really want to highlight. One of my favorite things that Carol shared in this episode is the overlap that existed for her in forgiving her father to find deeper forgiveness with the doctrine in which she was raised. And I think this is a really important piece because I know for many of us who carry religious wounds, we're looking for deeper healing, but it can feel so incredibly abstract to forgive an institution like I've mentioned before. So one of the things that's necessary in this is we have to humanize our hurts. So this segment in particular, I think you're really going to love. I also love how Carol touched on how many stigmas and prejudices can be embedded within a doctrine. And when we move in a new direction spiritually, these stigmas and prejudices have to be addressed to bring us into a deeper alignment with the beliefs and values we hold now, especially in regards to who we're allowed to be as men and women how we view systemic racism and the church's role in perpetuating it, along with xenophobia and other ideologies that paint things, especially people, in black and white terms. This is a really packed episode, you guys. I know you're going to love it. But before we get into this juicy conversation, I have a super special announcement to make that I'm going to be doing an exclusive mini episode for you tomorrow. So make sure that you tune back in tomorrow which is a random day for an episode to come out on Wild and Holy Radio. But I'm going to be sharing a secret I've been sitting on for the past couple of weeks that I know you're going to love. So let's get into this conversation with Carol, shall we? Here she is. everyone and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio. I am so excited to be joined by my next guest, Carol Merritt. Carol, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Oh my goodness. So, I was, so last week's episode was all about healing religious wounds and mm-hmm. part of my research was coming across the book that is just now released. Did it just come out? Yeah, a couple months ago it did. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. I cannot wait to read it. So for everyone who has no idea what I'm talking about, (laughs) Carol just released a new book called Healing Spiritual Wounds, How We Reconnect With a Loving God After Experiencing a Hurtful Church. And I just thought that having your expertise and wisdom on Carol would be such a beautiful follow-up to our episode last week. And I'm excited to learn more about your own journey, what inspired the book, and how we find more healing here.
1: Oh, well, thank you. It's great to be on, and uh, I'd love to talk about it.
0: Yes. So your background, you were raised as a conservative Christian Mm -hmm. and are now a Presbyterian minister. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me what it's been like for you to, because I know you've kind of had a process of looking at these traditional or conservative ideologies mm-hmm. and needing to grow past those in a way. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's funny. I have a friend who uh, took me to a museum and um, we were just getting to know each other at that time. Her name was Phyllis, and we were at this beautiful exhibit, and there were all of these like very moving pictures. They were kind of abstract, and these swirling colors of dark blues and greens. And and she asked me why I became a minister, and that's that's a question a lot of people ask. Um, they they ask, you know, at parties, we get asked during the ordination process, <laughs> we get asked at church, you know. And, and, and so you have kind of a pat answer, but there was something about having these paintings around and, and she was just such a beautiful presence. She was a Jewish woman and um, just very like a wise woman. And so when she asked me, I told her and, and like told her the truth, you know, Yeah. Uh, like went, went beyond kind of that pat, uh, answer and, and what just sort of fell out of my mouth was I was telling her about how, um, how my father was violent when I was growing up and, um, and he had this terrible anger and i remember um going to my room while my parents were fighting and praying and there wasn't really anything else i could do um but but pray and in the story you know as i was explaining it to her i realized that Part of the reason why we were stuck in the house was because um, the church was, was pretty complicit in that violent home. Um, uh, they were encouraging my mom to stay. They were encouraging my father that he must be the unquestioned authority and head of the house. And, and so there were all of these teachings that were creating you know, this tension in our home. And yet I was praying and, and she just kept pushing me on this. And she was like, well, why didn't you just leave? You know, why didn't you leave religion? Why would that make you run to it more? And as she was asking me these questions, I just um, began to sort of see this intersection in my life. And it w- was this fact that I was completely drawn to religion, even though I knew it was religion that was hurting me.
0: Mm.
1: So I was, I was kind of drawn to this spiritual life and this life of prayer and this life of healing, um, even while understanding, you know, that that, that was what was really uh, hurting me. So I wanted to explore that intersection more. Like, why, why are we hurt by the church? How can we be healed even um, even in the midst of, of such damaging situations? And so that's why I wrote the book. And it's not to, um, you know, not to talk anybody back into church or anything like that. But it's it's more just some of us have this spiritual inclination. Some of us. Um, we just think in terms of spirituality, in, in terms of uh, this, this kind of union with God, and we don't know how to break out of that <laughs> and wouldn't want to because it's life-giving. So, so what do you do when you've been hurt by the church, but it's also you realize that um, spiritual life can be very life-giving.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that comes to mind, like there's really a dichotomy here and it's almost like being in an abusive relationship where like this person is hurting you, but yet you still love them and you, you want things to be better between you, even though this person continues to hurt you. And it's like, what do you, how do you hold space for both of those things at the same time? right right and i mean i I talk about this a little bit in the book and and basically you know i
1: was like well i'm not saying stay with abuse you know (laughs) i'm not saying that at all what i am saying is i was able to leave that um, for me it was leaving a conservative christian uh, fundamentalist religion and becoming presbyterian and so it was It was kind of like, you know, being able to leave that and, and go to something else. Now, I know that saying, um, there are many people who grew up in liberal churches who were also wounded by the church. So I'm not saying, I mean, people do terrible things to each other all over the place. Yes. So I'm not saying that, um, you know, oh, all my, all my, Wishes and dreams were fulfilled once I became liberal. It wasn't like that at all. But it, I didn't need to leave. So, yeah.
0: you know, one of the things that I think, and I was talking about this earlier, is that there's a lot of things embedded in religion of what happens if you were to go move away from this group or move away from these beliefs that are very fear-based and it can create a lot of struggle. And I think suffering when we feel like this isn't a good place for us. And we know that this is toxic to some extent, but still feeling really afraid of what might happen. Should we go in and explore something different?
1: Oh, absolutely. That is the scariest thing about this whole process. I mean, you think about like, you know, it's not like I became Buddhist or Hindu or Muslim. You know, I, I went from like <laughs> Christian church to Christian church. Yeah. But, but there is such a sense of um, a betrayal and uh, shunning kind of enveloped in this system that, that uh, you just feel like everyone's going to shun you and cut you off. And, and a lot of times they do. I remember I was, I had a dream about this and I I was dreaming, like there's a story in the Bible about um, Hannah and Hannah wanted a baby. And so she went to the temple and she prayed for a baby and um, the priest saw her and thought she was drunk. And she kind of said, well, if, if I, If I get pregnant, God, you know, give my baby to this this temple. And I remember like dreaming about this, but somehow like the story was messed up in my dream. Mm -hmm. And somehow I felt like I either needed to give up myself or have my faith. Like I couldn't have both because if I had a real faith that made sense to me, then I had to cut off my family. But if I had uh, my family, then I would have to cut off my faith and, oh, and I know kind that of deeply. part of me. Yeah. Yeah. So having to make those choices and being kind of forced into making those choices are incredibly painful. Um, I, the happy news is my family didn't cut me off.
0: <laughs> Mine didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's, and that's not to say that that's always the case because mm-hmm. I do think that this can create a lot of separation within family systems or between people that we love. But, you know, it's, it's been my experience that following what feels true for you allows for such deep healing and true acceptance within yourself. And I think that acceptance within ourselves will always, always be more powerful than being accepted by somebody else because Mm -hmm. we like wherever we go, there we are. So if there's not that deep sense of belonging within us, and we're not feeling like we're living in integrity with ourselves. It's almost like you can't, you can't have a fulfilling life without that sense of self. So what you're saying is like I either needed to give up myself to mm-hmm. maintain this connection with my family or I needed to choose my family and lose this opportunity to be my fully expressed self. I totally know that feeling. And I think sometimes when we're brave enough to take that walk and just give it a chance, sometimes those people really surprise us. Doesn't mean that they're going to believe what we believe or even understand what we believe. (laughs) But it's been a really beautiful process for me that there's been enough space within our relationship for us to differ and still love one another and everything's okay.
1: Good. Yeah, it was very surprising. It took a lot of therapy. Like I I remember sitting in the therapist chair, and she she didn't quite understand. You know, she was just like, "What? What's the deal here?" You know, (laughs) she was like this beautiful African American woman. She was just like. Why do you think your family is going to cut you off? You know? <laughs> why, yeah. Why do you think this is going to happen? This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know, so I, I totally worked through it with her, and um, and but it took so many years, and and still, even today, you know, when I write something that I know my my family's not going to be happy with, I get nervous about it. No,
0: I'm the same way. I mean, putting out Wild and Holy Radio is is really about bringing together the spiritual seekers and the religious and curious. It's like a wide variety of people. Mm -hmm. And I'm really talking about like religion is very personal to people and Mm -hmm. our belief and understanding of God our walk with God, what it means to be holy is so personal. And sometimes like I record things on this podcast where I'm like, Oh gosh, like what is my mom going to (laughs) think? Because I am like really pushing some boundaries in relation to her belief system. But it's like, I just think it's so important to follow your path. Like, I think that's why we're here. Like, that's our divine path. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: So when you were making this shift from the traditional church to a a more liberal space Mm -hmm. um, and coming up against some of that resistance that is present in the church, like, do you remember any any processes that you went through to give yourself permission to, to explore or for... For this to be okay or we're just gonna see how this ends up i mean what was that process like for you
1: yeah th- uh, that's a great question a lot of it i needed to um, do a few things i needed to think about god differently mm-hmm. um so a lot of my, my God imagery and my God talk was, was connected to daddy language and father language. I mean, you know, I would pray our father who art in heaven yeah. uh, every day. So, so having a father who was violent and um, uh, abusive, I had to begin to kind of separate God from that experience of abuse and begin to imagine God in a different way. And for me, it was imagining God as um, as kind of a pregnant mama, and mm. we are living and breathing and moving in, in God.
0: Oh, and, my goodness. I love that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's, you know, in, in God we live and move and breathe, and, yeah. and we awesome You know, I came from this conservative tradition where we talked about being born again all the time, and yet we had this kind of patriarchal idea of God. But then I realized, like, oh, if I'm going to be born again, then God's my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, (laughs) you know. So, so just being able to kind of come to terms with. God being surrounding and nourishing and upholding me rather than, um, you know, this father is looking down. Uh. And of course, that's my experience. A lot of people, you know, thinking about God as mother would be a, a difficult experience for them. So the Bible is filled with all these metaphors of God. And so, the beautiful thing about that is I think it gives us permission to, um, you know, when our holy texts are filled with with all these different metaphors and ways of connecting with God, I think that gives us permission to be able to think of the metaphor that makes sense to us. And um, I'm a Christian, so, you know, uh, you know, God, our creator, God, our sustainer, God, you know, whether it's spirit, um, mother, uh, or, um, Jesus, these are all different ways in which we can connect, um, mm-hmm. with God.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that was, that's like, I only got to the first point,
0: <laughs> but, that's not, but that's the first, you know, and, and kind of major thing, but it's, it's such a huge paradigm shift to expand your idea of who God is or who God could be to you. Right. And I think one of the things that has been hardest for me is that, you know, growing up um, in a religion is that we're, we're kind of taught that somebody else is telling us who God is, mm-hmm. or a book is telling us who God is, and the way whatever way that book is interpreted is who God is. And when you start to really challenge that or expand past that, you're taking the process inward Mm -hmm. of asking yourself who God is instead of looking towards someone else to tell you who God is. And for me personally, that was um, a really challenging process because now I'm coming up to hearing my inner voice, hearing, you know, trusting my own judgment. Mm -hmm. And that was such a different experience of learning about God. That was just totally different than how I was raised.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, completely different experience, but I think it's, it's how we grow up, you know, (laughs) Uh, you know, and and our faith is like making it our own instead of being spoon fed, um, Mm -hmm. what we should believe. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's a powerful and beautiful experience. And unfortunately, I think it's some something that people
0: never get to yeah yeah no i agree and i i was just thinking as we were talking too like there's almost been this reintegration process for me so my past a little bit different than yours i i denounced my christian faith when i was Mm -hmm. 23 and i went on this huge spiritual journey of studying all kinds of religions and all kinds of faiths and now kind of circling back to christianity not really knowing if if that if that will ever truly fit for me, but i 'm here reintegrating things from my childhood in this totally different way, and so i 'm wondering like your experience with the sacred text with the Bible like did its meaning did its interpretation did the way that you saw that change as you started to shift in your idea of god oh
1: hugely i mean i I went to a Bible school and so I t- was taught a very literalist interpretation of the Bible, which means um, they didn't believe that God actually wrote the Bible, but almost, you know, right. <laughs> it was just short of that. <laughs> so there was a sense that, um, you know, God was using like the hands of humans to, to write the Bible. and And so... The Bible took on this, you know, and there, and there was this sense of like, well, every letter of the Bible will come true and, and every letter of the Bible is true and correct. And, and you know, if your Bible can't um, pass an eighth grade science test, then yeah, it's not yes. really worth anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, you know, clearly I had to start looking at things. <laughs> The earth did not begin six thousand years ago. With, right. You know, a talking snake. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and not to belittle anybody's beliefs, but but I just couldn't, you know, figure out my my scientific beliefs and well how does yeah. all this stuff fit? How does it yeah. integrate together? Yeah. And so I mean when you look at Christian history at the very very beginning they would look at these as myths and um and I'm not talking about like we have a sense of myth as it's either true fact or it's myth you know and and so we think of myths as you know almost fairy tales or something but I mean myth in the sense of a deep deep um uh sense of truth so in the greek they had these two ideas of logos and myth so one explained science logos explained science and logos explained science and um and mythos explained those mysteries that are unexplainable and yet we're drawn to them we're compelled by them and and so when i began to think about um the bible as this mythos this this extremely important um book that wasn't just you know historical facts that were written down or you know <laughs> wasn't um you know something that we needed to adhere to uh even though all scientific reality says differently, um, it just became a much, much more powerful
0: force in my life. This episode is brought to you by Honey & Sage Co. Did you know Honey & Sage Co. provides apothecary subscription boxes for women for all kinds of holy wellness? I just received my first maternity subscription box and I'm in love, love with the thoughtful products. Included were an energizing salt bath, a frankincense body oil, which is one of my favorite essential oils, an herbal tea, and a mala bracelet, perfect for staying centered and nourished during pregnancy. They're giving you 10% off your first order at HoneyAndSageCode.com. Just use the discount holy and Wild at checkout.
1: And uh, you know, and certainly, as I'm sure you've experienced, you know, these holy texts—they're—they're they're incredible holy texts in um, in so many religious traditions, and so much
0: mm-hmm. wisdom
1: that we can pull from from many, many different places.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's almost like you know, the Bible has been something that I've been cut off from for a really long time. I've almost been like scared to read it because for me, (laughs) I feel like I've always had this rebellious spirit and anything that's tried to like contain it has just been like, no. (laughs) But I've also looked at the Bible from this very like black and white place instead of really looking at the deeper meaning of like What do these stories mean? What were they trying to communicate? What were they trying to tell us about God? And really understanding that this book was written by humans who may have been inspired by God. um, But really knowing that like there's going to be some sort of fallacy that these people are really doing the best they can to explain a great deal of mystery about life and creation and death and what happens after we die and how we even describe something as magnificent and, omnipotent as God. I mean, it is really, really hard to give words and language to something that is so vast to, I mean, it's just difficult. And so I, I look at the Bible now with this, this appreciation for what they were trying to do and trying to communicate and as I go deeper than just black and white, it's like, there is so much wisdom here. And the more I learn about Jesus and his journey and who he was and what he was really here to teach us and to give us, it's like, wow, I missed so much in the beginning.
1: Yeah. So yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, um, you know, I mean the Bible itself, you know, one of the writers wrote, uh, we see through a, a mirror dimly mm-hmm. and, um, and it's true, you know we we can't see we can't see it crystal clear. There's always going to be some sort of impediment to seeing it completely, and that's the beauty of um, revelation. I mean, that whole idea of revelation is that you know some something mysterious is being uncovered and and so it's it's an uncovering a revealing and to think of you know these books as revelations as something that um we're not going to grasp the first time around and you know they'll just keep revealing different things to us at different times in our lives that's so much more powerful than saying Oh, this is a science textbook, or this is a hu- a history textbook, and we have to exactly follow the chronology of this <laughs> Or you know, we're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, yes. we, we have to stay in this little box, or we have to do every little command that like some nomadic tribe did two thousand years ago, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or three thousand years ago, whatever. Um, he, he needed that. Just- doesn't make sense
0: yes um
1: it it becomes much more living and breathing and and life giving when we begin Mm -hmm. to think of things differently
0: yeah i agree there's so much more permission there too to be human yeah yeah which is nice i mean permission is just so open and freeing you know absolutely so Carol, I know, like for me personally, like when we talk about healing, one -hmm. of the things that comes to mind is forgiveness. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Of part of finding more healing is forgiving the things that have hurt us. And I would be curious to hear like your perspective on what we forgive, who we forgive, like what is even embedded in that process as we find more healing after we've been hurt by a church? Yeah, you know,
1: it's funny when I was writing this, um, I have this great editor, Mickey. He's uh, he's um, at Harper One, and um, <laughs> he he he's, we were talking on the phone, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, have you read Desmond Tutu's two two and Mpho two, um book on forgiving?" And I was like, "No, no, I haven't read it." <laughs> Yeah, let me send that to you. So he <laughs> sends it to me. And, you know, I, I had the stack of books. so it was reading for research and I didn't sure. get to it. And, um, so next time we call, so, <laughs> the book of forgiving. Have you read that? And I was like, no. <laughs> so so it's he funny sends it's me that. another
0: one. <laughs> My therapist. Literally, I was was seeing my therapist this year and she's recommended the exact same book and I still have not read it yet. So (laughs) I'm so with what you're saying. (laughs) And I have no doubt it's probably a, a tremendous book.
1: Oh my goodness. It's just, it's just beautiful. It just. It's just beautiful. So, yeah. So like after I started getting this little pile of the same book, (laughs) by my my bedside, I was like, maybe I should be reading this book. So, so anyways, I, I did. And, and there was just this sense of like unbinding. Hmm. And um, for me, you know, like you know, like the central forgiveness relationship was was both with the church but it was so much um involved with my father so mm-hmm. i just remember um i just remember feeling like bound to him with the resentments that i had mm-hmm. and um, and there was this, this feeling, the sense of, uh, the sense of almost, I didn't know what would be left if I didn't have that. And I wanted a relationship with my dad. He died. And so I was processing all of this after he died. I wanted this relationship with my father and the only Way I knew how to have it was with kind of holding on to these resentments, yeah. and um, and finally, you know, I realized I got to release this. I've got to I've got to stop. And I mean, I guess the the uh, the Greek word for forgiveness is afei so it's 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 kind of like an unclenching, um, a releasing, and and so I, I realized okay you know, I can do this. I can, I can, I can release this. And, um, so that book helped incredibly. And, um, and, and it wasn't until I was able to do that, that I was able to finish my book. Um, and, and I, I realized, you know, once I was able to let go of those resentments, um, love was still there. And, And there was, you know, I didn't know it was there (laughs) because I (laughs) had spent so many years like resenting, (laughs) but but it was there, it was there. And, and, and so I I do feel this, this, um,
0: bound to my father. Mm -hmm. And is that a very parallel process for you with like forgiving or uh, can you forgive the church? Like, is that even a thing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah you i think you have to right if you, if if we walk around with this stuff it just um it just festers inside of us like yeah you know it's like a a splinter that we don't get rid of and then it festers and it gets bigger and it becomes more and more um uh you know pusseous and it, you know it just gets gross yeah. And you know, forgiveness isn't for them; it's right. for us. Yeah. I, I, and there's a lot of people who will say, "Well, um, you know, I can't forgive that person. They never asked me for to forgive them. They never apologize." And right. I would, if if you go through life thinking that, like, yeah, you're just. I mean, you can, but <laughs> there's not going to be it's much It's going to be happy. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Yeah, this is, you know, it's not for them. It's, it's all for you. It's all in that yes. you know,
0: process of taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's, this, gotta... um, there's this book that I read a little while ago, back when I was still a practicing psychotherapist, and it was called Spiritual Intelligence. Um, I think the author is Cindy Wigglesworth. Which I love her last name.
1: Fabulous.
0: She's talking about, um, you know, one of the things in our spiritual maturity, or that is a sign of spiritual maturity, when we can really put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and in their belief system and ask ourselves the question, like if I was this person who had this upbringing, who had these beliefs, who had these values, would I act similarly? Would I say things similarly would I treat people similarly to this person and it's such a practice of compassion and empathy and objectivity to really put yourself into someone's shoes and I think that you know one of the things that Don Miguel Ruiz says in the four agreements is like always do your best and I think a beautiful addition to that is believe people are doing the best that they can with what they have, where they are, with what they believe. And for me in my forgiveness process, I've really challenged myself to do that and to practice that and to walk it. And so as it goes into forgiving a church or an institution, I've really looked at, you know, if this was my belief system, if this is how I was raised and that was, I was convicted in those beliefs, would I say similar things? Would I treat people similarly? And it's, most of the time the answer is probably so probably so and that's them acting out of their understanding of love or understanding of empathy or whatever that is and i just tend to have a different definition and that's helped a lot
1: yeah and part of uh part of this process of the healing too is So you have to forgive yourself. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's so easy for me to look back on what I believed and, um, you know, the racism, the homophobia, the, you know, so many of these beliefs that I held within me. I mean, yeah, I I like would go out into the world and I would believe that almost everybody was going to burn in hell except for me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or... Or I would believe that God created these beautiful creatures, these beautiful complex humans who are gorgeous and, and you know, wonderful. And then God was going to just destroy them. Mm. And not just destroy them, but make them burn in hell for eternity. And um, so I, I look back on that and oftentimes I get... Angry with myself, or I get frustrated with myself, and, and part of this process, too, was just to have compassion on myself um, uh, for believing these things, for being abusive, and you know that's ongoing. I mean, I just got a, I just got a message um, last night where somebody was complaining about something I tweeted mindlessly and uh and i i was like beating myself up oh. <laughs> yeah, for it and uh and it wasn't anything that i had done terrible it was just not smart and um so i just spent like you know hours kind of hating myself for this and then i realized I just have to have compassion on myself. I've got to forgive myself. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to screw up. Um, and, and you know, that was part of just what you were describing was part of what I had to go through was like, okay, this is my viewpoint in life. I'm a white woman, um, and was raised a, a fundamentalist and and, I don't know everything, and I'm not going yeah. to know everything, and so um, so I just have to forgive myself for that.
0: No, I totally totally agree. I mean, I think part of this this awakening is really understanding how many things are embedded within an ideology, and when you start to expand your idea of God, you really what happens or has happened for me is you start to expand your idea of humanity. And that challenges a lot of beliefs that you once held and you realize how insensitive you have been unknowingly, and then really challenging yourself to want to be more sympathetic, but maybe not always having the right words or maybe not always getting it right, but still needing the permission to, to try and grow and be different. That brings you more into integrity with your understanding of humanity now. So I totally recognize that. I mean, with all the things that are going on in the world, especially with the Charlottesville events just most recently is really feeling um, a call to, to be more vocal and to help be an agent of change while also being like deathly afraid of saying something offensive or, or not sensitive just because I don't know and still needing to continue to, to speak up anyway because that's what's most important because I feel like that's what the world needs, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's such yeah. a complex process. Yeah,
1: I know. I I was, um, <laughs> someone told me uh, I was in a racial uh, reconciliation group and I wouldn't talk because I was always afraid I would say the wrong thing. And um, so I confided in a friend who had been doing social justice work for years and years. And I just said, I, I don't. I don't feel like I can say anything because I'm. I'm just afraid I'm gonna offend someone, and he was like, "Yeah, you're a white woman in this room. You know, you are going to offend people, and you have to. You have to realize that you're gonna be wrong, and you just have to realize that. You know, just be wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's not. It's not a.
1: I see all the time and then you're going to have to apologize and be wrong. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing is like having to take the chance that you might be wrong out of it because in the grand scheme of things, that's like the least important of what's happening in the world. You know, like I'd rather take the risk of being wrong than to not say anything at all and know that I'm going to misstep and just really ground down into I know what my intention is and I'm just going to keep trying. And I think that that's so much the way, like talking about God in different terms or talking about religion in different terms, knowing that I might upset people, but also knowing that there's other people out there like me and like you who have had to really do our own personal walk to finding more, more wholeness, more acceptance, or finding that place that really... Where we feel like we belong that is in line with with who we want to be and who we believe god is so this stuff is is sticky um there's going to be lots of missteps along the way but i think that's just part of the learning process yeah compassion with each other and compassion with ourselves
1: you know i i um i think we're missing that so much you know i i see in, in um I mean Facebook and Twitter and all of that just uh, sort of forms so much of my world right now but but I watch how we we have to control one another we have to control what we say and, and what other people say and you know we're constantly invited to critique each other and to rate one another and to you know give each other five stars or four stars or whatever and and it it's it just goes against that you know loving each other and having compassion on each other and and um you know this this sort of uh, idea that we need to critique each other all the time yeah. um We need to somehow go against that grain.
0: Yeah, I agree. So as we kind of wrap up today and we're reflecting on your book, was there a a favorite chapter of yours? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's probably hard. It's probably like trying to pick between children. Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, the the fun part about writing this book was I have, This was my third book, and um, and it was just kind of fun to be able to write my stories. So I just had, you know, these stories that really shaped and formed my life. So being able to to write my stories instead of you know a scholarly analysis of the you know the church, the twenty first century or whatever, (laughs) that was. that was just a refreshing
0: thing to do. I'm so glad for you. I'm glad that you wrote this book. I think it's gonna be healing for so many people who have experienced this hurt and heartache and wanting to return to to God in a new way. So I just appreciate you so much for sharing your journey with us today. Well, thank you for having me on
1: and, and uh, you know, peace, shalom to you and all of your journey and um, may you bring all of these different pieces of wisdom and beauty together. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much,
0: Carol. This wraps episode 10 on a wild and holy radio. If you know someone who would benefit from being a part of our community, please share this podcast with them. As always, one of the best ways to support the podcast is to make sure you're subscribed and to leave a review on iTunes. Check out the show notes where I walk you through this easy peasy process and how to find out more info on Carol, her books, her podcast, and her book tour. I'll see you tomorrow for a super duper special wild and holy announcement. Don't miss it, love. See you there.